Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Hey up, welcome to Straight Red episode four. We'll be reflecting on Chioffi's first two games in charge at Crawley. Plus, we'll be hearing from the man himself in an exclusive podcast interview. We'll also have X-Red Ryan Richmond here with us in our makeshift studio. We'll be having a chat with him later on, talking football, careers and Crawley. Oh, and of course, all the usual Broadfield bars, Sergio says and Ewan's game. Right, Jonathan, we've got two matches to review. First up, home versus Morecambe. Yes, that was a week ago on Saturday. Crawley obviously won 2-0 against Morecambe. And how often can you say that Crawley have scored three times more goals than their opposition? Not very often. Correct. Uh, This was uh, something against the the odds, basically, because Crawley had scored three times more goals than their opposition in the league going into this match. So the first half, I thought, a big thing for me was that Crawley displayed some solid efforts of defending. In the past, Crawley had been a bit slow to get the ball out of the danger zone, sometimes a bit hesitant or even a bit too confident at times with passing the ball around the back to the goalkeeper. And that has can caused Crawley a lot of problems, conceding goals and stuff like that. But in the first half and, and continuing on into the game, Crawley just got the ball out, I thought. If in doubt, kick it out, basically. And I thought it, was, it must be the least touches Morris has had on the ball <laughs> this season, by an absolute country mile. Really significantly less touches going back to the ball from this. So really, really good to see. Very positive, that as well. Yeah, Bonds and Gala, for me, really powerful headers getting out of the Crawley half. Obviously, he signed a new one-year contract. Absolute golden contract, that. That is absolute quality. Happy to see that. I think everybody on Twitter was happy to see that as well. Really because he's got a good partnership working with Connolly now, something that I think has been lacking um, for this season because, obviously, in the past, Crawley have had some really good pairings at the back. Now, obviously, this could be another good pairing. Um, and I thought Connolly's positioning with the two working at back was, was going well. Joe Maguire, I thought he was excellent working uh, in the back as well. Initially, I wasn't sure what to make of him when he joined the club, but I thought he really put in a, a good shift and, and made a good sort of attacking effort as well. And on top of that, attacking players like Marias, you said a second ago, encouraging the team, him and Palmer caught my eye because they tracked back a lot. And it kind of reminded me of... I guess, Mourinho style of play when he came to Chelsea initially of wanting to get the whole team in on the, on the defensive effort. The one player that stuck out for me was Panucci Kamara. Last season, had a lot of substitute appearances, didn't look like the finished article, and he's not the finished article yet. But I thought that day versus Morecambe, he looked like a professional League Two player, deserving those starts from the off. And obviously he got his goal in the end, um, and he looked like a cracking League Two player. Still, I think he needs to put on about a stone <laughs> in a, a muscle, uh, but he looks absolute quality now. Also, second point I want to bring up, set pieces. I think that in the past, Crawley have looked like they're just, just taking the set pieces. You know, you've got a free kick. OK, let's have a, have a pop at the ball. Whereas set pieces from this game looked like there was a plan. Um, there was a, I think there was a corner um, around the half hour mark that was taken by Young, short to Marias, just inside the penalty area. He passed it back out to the corner of the penalty box then found Young back out on the side. And because of this basically triangular play round, Morecambe were all drawn out all around the box. Their positioning was all over the shop. Crawley were able to deliver in a, a cross into the box. They didn't get a goal from it, but it still did cause a bigger issue than had previously, previously Just been. Just talking about the set pieces, 
there was one crazy set piece. So it's a good set piece, but the whole Morecambe, let's call them the back eight to begin with, as soon as, um, I don't know who took the free kick, it might have been Young, but they all, do you remember when they all ran out of the box? And there was about yeah. seven Crawley players <laughs> offside. I've That's never crazy. seen that before. It was insane. I've never, I tried to get it on uh, my phone, but I didn't quite get it in time. Um, but yeah, really, really strange. But yeah, they'd obviously seen from previous matches where they do the research that Crawley are starting to play these interesting set pieces and just try to play them at their own game and completely get them off guard. And it worked. Adaptability. Next thing. How did you feel Crawley were on that? I thought they were far more adaptable than they were under Harry Q. Obviously, we won't dwindle on, on that era. But in the past, Crawley have been stuck to their wing play, as we know. But in this game, I thought they were scrappy when they needed to be. Sometimes in League Two, you have to be scrappy. You have to adapt to the game in that sense. They were passing play sometimes, sometimes longer balls across the pitch, wing play, more direct approach. And the opposition, I think, were definitely struggling with that. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Absolutely spot on all of that. Um, like you say, we've gone from just wing play to down the wings, down your channels, down the centre. You can still play Acton Brack and log it over the top, or you can pass it through the middle as well. It... it, it it's football like I haven't seen at Crawley at least since, well, during Harry Kewell's reign. And it's so, so refreshing um, for all the fans to watch as well. So first half, obviously, some chances were created. Not many clear-cut opportunities on goal to talk about. Second half, though, players came out. And within, what, six minutes or so, Crawley scored a goal. They literally looked like a, a changed team to me. And the change that I thought that had happened was confidence. Now, you'll hear more about this in the interview that we had with um, Chelfe after that game in a little while and what his point was on that. But for me, I thought there was far more confidence coming out in the second half. Ashley Nathaniel George's goal, it was a, a good 30, 35-yard run through the Morgan half. But that half. is what Crawley had been... Even in the first half, I think you mentioned it very briefly, Crawley were restricted to these long-range shots. Um, I think Marais particularly had a couple, and it, it, he didn't look particularly comfortable from distance, but fair play to the Morgan defence. It was only long-range shots that they're getting through, and Nathaniel George took his chance brilliantly as well. So, so happy for him. And we put that interview with him on Twitter afterwards. Um, quite a shy guy, actually, wasn't it? I think that yes. might have been his first ever interview. Um, his first ever goal. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, and again, we've said it in previous podcasts. Once the likes of Kamara and Nathaniel George start scoring, I think it's going to hopefully, fingers crossed, open the floodgates. Yeah, very much so. And I thought his technical ability was fantastic. Really close touching on the ball that didn't allow defenders to get near him or made the defenders a bit scared to, to put in a foot because if they had timed that wrong, then, you know, they would have given away a set piece in a dangerous area. And then, of course, pokes it across on, onto his right to... What, what's the word? Uh, Not it wasn't a punt, was it? No, it was more kind of like a drive. Drive, yeah, into, we'll the, call it a drive. into the right corner of the goal. <laughs> it's great. Four minutes later, Panucci Kamara's goal. Oh, my goodness. Go on you. And I feel like you're a big Panucci Kamara fan. I'm a big Panucci Kamara fan. Um, like, I've said it the first sort of three podcasts. It's just... It's, his time's been coming. Last season, like I said, sort of bit part player. This season, now he looks like a League Two player. And I'm so happy that he's got his first goal. I still, for some reason, I still think he's been credited with that goal against, um, was it Berry? The one where he ducked and it went in the back of the net. The own goal. So this is definitely his first official goal as far as I'm concerned, if the, if the stats might be wrong. Um, but yeah, really happy for him. Took it well, rounded the keeper. In that position, young guy going for his first ever goal. Could have fumbled that easily. But for that composure, to take it one touch, run the keeper, knock it into the empty of a, in, back of an empty net, and then reel away towards the West Stand, hands in the air, then all of a sudden he's got Choffy in his face as well. What a way to score a first goal, and what a reaction from the boss, the fans, everybody at the club. And something that I love about Kamara is that in the first half, 
I was really not happy with his performance. He, the, his touch was really poor, I thought. The ball was sort of like running off his foot and uh, he was giving the ball away in, in really good attacking positions for Corley. Second half, he didn't let that get to him. Um, I think and that, he really that was improved a, on it. That was a whole team thing. The one thing he recognised from the first half to the second. Let's be fair, Chelsea's had six days in charge and they've gone from a style of football to a new style of football. And it would generally take a new manager, maybe like a, a month or so, to get that sort of style of play and mentality into a game. And it took them 45 minutes. The first 45 minutes looks a little bit confused, wasn't sure how they were going to play. Second half, don't know what you said at the halftime t- team talk. Second half, like you said, different team. And they just gelled together. And they were, they were playing this type of football that Joffe clearly wants them to play. Yeah, and you mentioned briefly there Joffe's celebration onto the pitch. Crazy, never again, never before seen at Crawley. No, but it's brilliant. And that endeared him to the fans straight away. I think when we spoke to him afterwards, I did say to him personally as well, he's done more to endear himself to the fans in one game than Harry Kewell or any other manager did in their complete tenures. And especially, I know we'll come on to it, what he did after the game as well. That was extra special. Um, and there was sort of like a unity and a, and a positivity around the club that I haven't felt for maybe a couple of years. Moving on with, with the game, of course, Morris, later on, 75 minutes around there, he made a fantastic save. Obviously, that video has been seen online by quite a few people, it's retweeted quite, by the channels as yeah, well. Yeah, it has indeed. Yeah, it's got quite popular and, and deservedly so. Um, like I say, he didn't have much to do during the game. So when a chance like that does come for the opposition, he steps up to the mark, as he always does anyway. Um, to do it from being in a, in a fairly non-game for him, don't have much to do whatsoever, and still pull a save like that out the bag. And if that had gone in, that turns the game on its head. They've still got 15 minutes left to, to get an equaliser, but he saves that. And apart from that, they ne- I didn't ever feel like Crawley were in danger of conceding, um, apart from that cracking free kick, of course. Um, it felt confident, like you said, the attacking substitution at 2-0 up. It's quite exciting, wasn't it? And, and, and the whole Morris, the cat thing, where, where does that come from? I, I don't know. We, it wasn't at Crawley. He's definitely been called the cat before because even on his wife's Twitter, she's, um, her, her note is married to the cat. <laughs> so I think it's quite long term, but I love it. I think it's great. It's just to do with his goalkeeper ability. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Because yeah. yeah, there was an ex-Chelsea goalkeeper, wasn't there, called the cat? I forget his name. Quite a famous Chelsea goalkeeper. Um, so I thought, I, I'm assuming it comes from there somewhere. Well, I just thought of that as soon as he made that save. I was yeah. like, yeah, Pants is like cat. a cat, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. very much so. <laughs> so... The end of the game now, the thanking of the fans on the football pitch, that's kind of something that I expect to see in kind of European football where <laughs> they all line up on the halfway line and, and sort of charge towards each stand. Again, like you say, you in really bringing the crowd together. And, and just, just describe that you were there in a fan capacity instead of a commentary capacity. Just describe the feeling as a fan and as the fans around you when that happens. Like you say, it, it, it came out of nowhere. You, you got the impression when he ran on for um, Kamara's goal, you saw then this isn't a normal manager. This is somebody with a bit more passion. I mean, he's Italian. They're famous for their passion, aren't they? Um, and uh, I don't even knew he was going to get a yellow card running on the pitch. I don't know if he was aware of that. Um, he was very gracious when he received yeah, it. Yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll <laughs> take it. <laughs> but that got you thinking, God, this, isn't, this is different. This is nice and this is different. Then after the game from nowhere, um, I mean, there's always a little clap at the end for the, for the three stands, isn't there? But when he went onto the pitch and then grabbed everybody in a line, I think he went to the West Stand first, then the East, then the South. Um, like I've already said, there was just this sense of, first of all, 
where's this come from? This is weird. But at the same time, this is absolutely brilliant. And there's a togetherness and a warmth and an atmosphere at the end of that game, like I said, that I haven't felt in the Broadfield Stadium for a couple of years. And it felt absolutely brilliant. And one thing, in case we don't mention it after the interview that we're about to play, um, I was speaking to, to Kelly, the, the chief exec after the game, and whilst I was, I was having a chat with her, Chioffi ran out the dugout. This, the stadium's empty now, just the two groundsmen on the pitch. Chioffi ran out the dugout and went and thanked individually the two groundsmen as well, just for getting the pitch prepared. That is the type of guy he is. Well, that's our opinions and thoughts. Now, I caught up with Chioffi after the game. And just before I do, just to add on to Ewan's little story, I have my own little story. Now, the press gather around the dugouts at the end of the game to interview the players or, or the coaches who might come out. And we had to wait a fair amount of time for someone to come out, basically. Now, Chelfi was sort of hanging around the dugout areas and the press could see this. And they were getting visibly quite frustrated that no one was actually allowing them to physically t talk to him. And actually, one of the journalists came up to us, didn't he, Ewan? And... And was like, oh, right, no, right, no, right. what's going on? <laughs> and just as he did that, Chaffee, you know, strides out. And the first thing he does is he walks over to all of us and, and he says, you know, I'm really sorry. I heard you waited a long time. I'm really, really sorry about this. And, and goes around and shakes all of our hands individually, wants to know our names, wants to know, you know, who, who, what press organisation we come from and stuff like that. Straight and then forecast. <laughs> <laughs> I did drop that in there. I'm not sure he quite heard it or really understood what I was saying. But, uh, you know, we can all hope that he listens to this. Um, so I just thought that was a fantastic summarisation of his character to, you know, that's the first thing yeah, he says it, it, to the it press. Is, it is not just for show, it wasn't just for Kamara, it wasn't just for the fans at the end. He's a genuinely absolute top bloke. Anyway, here's our exclusive interview with him. Well, Cheofe, thanks for joining us. Um, first game, first win, how are you feeling? Happy, really happy. And obviously any victory... Uh, change the mood because uh, it's part of our job and uh, so I'm so happy. It was a really strong defensive performance from Cawley today, something that we haven't necessarily seen in, in previous games. Yep. Now obviously you are a defender, is this something that you've particularly paid attention to in the eight days that you've been at the club in training so far? This team has a lot of potential. I can add up some concept, some criteria, but uh, they have a lot inside. So you, you, what I'm going to do is work on the detail, because if the ground is uh, well fertilized, as is this squad, you need just to adapt, not to invent football. Now, uh, first half of the game, not really too much happened, but coming out of the second half, it seemed like a new team. There's so much more confidence. What did you say at half-time to sort of spark that change? Uh, first of all, I would like to, to say that here Morgan drove with us and won 3-0 in, in, in the some past game. So was a, it's a tough team, really physical, effective football. was a, an important chance to, for them to bring back point. And I think they played uh, on the fact that we, we won a Lincoln, so probably we were relaxed. At the beginning, the, on the first half, the player was contract, contract, I mean, but this is normal, a lot of information. So I say to them in half time, the, the game is going as we prepared. So let's flow 
your football. And this is what happened. And for the second goal, Panucci's goal, you went on obviously onto the pitch to, to celebrate with them. There seemed to be a lot of love and raw emotion in that. Are you, I guess, getting involved in the team and, and feeling caught up in the emotions that, that brought you onto the field there? At the end of the day, the player go on the pitch. And uh, you can give them information, you can give, give them whatever you want. You are the best coach in the world. But if you, you don't have good connection with them, they will play 99%. And for a club as um, Crowley is, we need the under and 10. And the under per 10, you, you get the 100% if you care with the, of the people. So I was happy for Panucci because I know how it's important a goal for a striker. And that's what I felt to do. I, I, I felt to, to do and I did. And I was happy for everyone. You seem to be quite a passionate guy. Is this something that the fans should come to expect? I'm, I'm what I am. I mean, I, you can't hold your emotion. The next time probably I will run outside the pitch, <laughs> waiting them. But uh, yes, I'm. I am. Now two 0 up. You made an attacking change. Polian on for Frankham. Um, is this kind of a statement of, of your idea of wanting to play attacking football despite still being 2-0 up? Frankom had a, a growing problem during the week, so it was, uh, was wise uh, to take him off and was one of the reasons we played more, uh, um, I don't know the word in English, I apologise, but more uh, defensively smart the first half and then more proactive the second. To change the, some, the, as I said to the lads, the player from the bench can change the game. And I saw throughout the whole of the match, you were talking a lot to Jimmy and to Nathan. Yeah. How helpful have they been to you as a manager coming to this club? A lot, a lot. Uh, the truth is that I knew all the name of the player, all their statistic, where they where they played. Uh, uh, they, how, how many goals did they, they score? Everything on the pitch. I have good feeling with Nathan. I trust. I trust his opinion. Uh, so he's a hard worker. Otherwise, wasn't on my side. And about Jimmy, Jimmy knows the mood of the team. That sometimes is more important than technical tactic. So I thanks. Uh, I thanks them because it's the truth. I have to thank you. I won't thank you. I won't thanks them. And how Crawley played today, is this the kind of style of football, is this the Cheofe style that fans should come to expect or is there still more for you to work on to maybe change of, 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 of what you want to instill in the team? I, I ask you this to you because uh, I don't know what you saw. Well, kind of like an, an attackive sort of motive to the team that was well versed in defence and, and fairly flexible in maybe going a bit more direct sometimes, sometimes going down the wings and sometimes maybe being a bit scrappy because the game sometimes is a bit scrappy in League Two, isn't it? You got the point. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I kind of answered my own question there, the next, didn't I? Uh, assistant job uh, back and there, you will be on my side, OK? I'll hold you to that. <laughs> so at the end of the match also, obviously, I'm sure everyone's asked you about this. You joined up with the whole of the team in the centre of the field, thanked each stand individually. There was such a, a warmth, a chanting around the ground, positivity that here at Crawley, we haven't felt for, for quite a long time. What was your reasoning for, for wanting to do that? Easy and uh, match what I said in the, in the 
the, previous, the, the first in, interview I did. I mean, alone the squad, alone the club, alone the supporter, alone the press, uh, where you want to go. You miss, uh, as in a will, you miss a piece of, of a will, so the, the will is always, I don't know if it's the right word, but limping, it's not fluid. So I said to let, uh, the lads that they, were, they weren't prepared on that. I said to them, we have to thank you. We won't fill up this stadium. Maybe we will need months, maybe we will need years, but our goal is this. So you have to thank the people who are here. Because in the moment, uh, one day will arrive one moment where we will need, we'll need them. And they have to be there. So it, if you don't um, um, care of the people, the people don't care of you. Player staff, staff board, board uh, uh, community, community supporter. That's my point. Was clear or my yeah, broken no, no, no. English? Uh, no, no, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. And I guess the the ultimate question and the final question I want to finish with is, what's your aim for the season? The best every day. Okay. Daily effort, daily chasing, daily the dream. So not necessarily a, a physical position in the table, more kind of a, a, a work rate and mentality within the team that you want to see. The, the number doesn't make the difference. The way you prepare to achieve some number make the difference so what i want from them they're 100 percent daily then what will be will be we know what we want well first game win you couldn't have had a better start could you chefe thanks yeah. thanks for joining us thanks so much to you thanks so much well i thought it was an absolutely sound guy to meet and really interesting to hear about his reasonings for doing certain things in and around the match, as well as how he found his first week at the club. Also, you and you pointed this out to me after the interview. Apologies and thanks to him. <laughs> I was going to raise that straight yes, away for not pointing out that I'd called him by his last name. I, I you know, <laughs> obviously started the interview by saying, you know, Cheofe, thanks for joining us. Um, that's just because I had Cheofe stuck in my head. Obviously, that is not his first name, but you know, cool guys. We'll let you off. It was a good interview. We'll let you off. <laughs> Right, shall we move on to Forest Green Rovers? Yes. Now, you were originally going to go to the game. <laughs> oh, no. Didn't this... quite make it in the I end, said, did you? All right, I said on the last podcast that I'm going to the Forest Green Rovers game because I'm from Cheltenham, so it's not far away from where I live anyway. Um, I forgot it was my wedding anniversary. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, didn't remember that until about Wednesday. I forgot. I really hope your wife doesn't listen to this nah, podcast. She, she hates football. <laughs> She's not listening to this. Um, and I forgot. So I did manage to negotiate two hours to watch the game on iFollow, which was absolutely fine. It only cost me a very expensive meal. So I negotiated that, <laughs> sat down with my lunch and my drink to watch on iFollow, got it up on the computer, unavailable. Oh. It's only certain games. I thought it was every away game. It's only certain games. So I didn't even get to watch the game at all. Um, Did you manage to pick up, uh, was there radio coverage of it? Or? No, no, that was, that was payable as well. But I was so gutted, I went and did something else. Come on, what, didn't I? <laughs> I was, I was catching up on Twitter, but you can't get a feel for the game on Twitter. So, um, I mean, we, we know what happened in the game. It, it was a 1-0 loss for Crawley. But what we have managed to do for the first time ever is get a red on the road. We've got an away Ooh. fan who was at the game to give us a 90-second load-in of the match. You'll probably recognise him. Uh, it is um, Ben Blackmore, who was a, a fairly well-known fan, I think. Also, former media assistant, but probably more famous for being the son of Travel Ken. So, here is Ben's 90-minute load-in on the game at Forest Green. 
Hi guys, just back from Forest Green. Extremely disappointed with our second half performance. Our first half, we really hit the ground running. 20 minutes in, Frankham should have put us 1-0 up after uh, Oli Palmer's shot was uh, rebounded. Um, and most of the way in thought it was in as he hit it. Unfortunately, the keepers just managed to save it somehow. Um, and we weren't 1-0 up. And Mark Connolly's uh, injury after 25 minutes was a huge, huge blow. Joe McNerney, I'm sorry, not good enough for League Two football. Uh, initially started the first half very well. That second half, it was extremely poor and his temper got the better of him and was sent off later in the game. Second half, we came out. We just didn't get things going. Oli Palmer had very poor service, really all game. Uh, felt an isolated man up front. We couldn't get the passes together. And full credit to Forest Green, actually. They did play some lovely stuff. They knew exactly what they were good at in terms of passing the ball around, getting um, the play forward to Ruben Reed, who was the difference today, really. His goal, a, a good finish on the edge of the box. Um, they could have had two or three more Forest Green. But really, from a Reds perspective, it was very disappointing. Just really couldn't get things going. Um, as I said, just the flow wasn't there. The ball kept going forward, but would, would come back straight away. And Forest Green really did deserve the three points on that second half, which was really disappointing because I think first half we had um, we had the momentum first 20 minutes and went into the break very much feeling that we could get all three points from this. But second half, I'm not sure what it was. It was freezing cold. It was raining. Uh, the terraces, you know, it was an extremely cold place to be. But uh, yeah, very disappointed overall second half performance. And uh, Forest Green Taylor deserved three points. Interesting now whether Sioffi can... Um, respond from that defeat. Obviously, the first time him managing Crawley now after a defeat. So it'll be interesting to see um, what happens. Um, man of the match for me in the Crawley shirt would probably have to be uh, the left-back Maguire. I thought had a very, very good game. Had to pause and think there because there wasn't too many standouts. Glenn Morris in goal, um, again, superb. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, Forest Green deserved the three points. So I think it's fair to say that Ben was disappointed, which is a real like chalk. If you, we just discussed the Morgan game, of course, and it was very, very positive, positive. There weren't many positives, it seems. Yeah, this seems like the, the polar opposite. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he made some really, really good points. Now, Choffey, what does he do after his first loss? Let's not forget Forest Green unbeaten in the league this season. Nobody's beaten them, so we couldn't expect to go there and get an easy win by any means whatsoever. Um, but Ben said it, the club website have said it, even Chioffi on the um, interview afterwards that was on the club website, they've all said Forest Green deserved the points. Can't complain with that, can you? Yeah, an interesting point also that Ben brought up was Joe McNerney. Stinging not, criticism. Not good enough for League Two football. Now, we had a I, chat I, about I didn't this see before, him in this game, yeah, yeah, but we've had a chat to other fans about this from previous games. Now, obviously, Joe hasn't had a look into to the first-team regular football under Harry Kuehl as much, um, although during the transitionary period, he was trialled out a bit, and that game against Spurs, although it was a Spurs under-21 side, a lot of fans who I spoke to after that game were very positive, even some journalists as well, positive and happy that he was given a chance and that felt that he produced some good football. Things he was so good for the last 18 months. And like you said, he's not really had a chance the last, well, th this season really, because we've had that good, a good pairing at the back. So yeah, the red card as well at the end, is that, is that frustration because this was his one chance, you know, he wasn't having a good game and just sort of lashed out? I'm not too sure. But it's going to be a long road back, I think, for Joe. Um, 
And, I mean, Ben said he's not cut out for League Two, or, or at least on that performance. That's a massive surprise, because he looked quality in League Two last year. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and hold my judgment until I see him play 90 minutes. Let's hear your thoughts as well, if you have any differing opinions to, to what Ben said or, or what to we said either as well. Just a couple of official things before you moved on. Um, the, the Gabby Chioffi interview afterwards, um, I've just taken a couple of notes from that. He said, the loss is tough to take. We made several mistakes, so we're going to adapt and work on it. Pretty much cliche things that you expect any manager to say. Pull out the handbook, couldn't you? Um, the one thing to pick up on that game, disappointing, Mark Connolly injury. Not going to hear anything about that until Monday, which is for us tomorrow. And the McNerney red card and Connolly injury means... Possibly a big hole. Defensively in the centre at the back, that, that's a massive hole. I mean, you've got bonds in there. You could fill the, enough for three people. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, tactically... Who do you bring into the middle? Yes, that is a very good question. Tough one, real tough one. Hopefully, Cons, it's just a, a minor injury. He's back for next Saturday. Let's fingers cross that. Now, a little context after that game as well. After the game against Morecambe, Crawley were, what, 10th in the table? Mm-hmm. They're now sit 15th in the table on 13 points. Still only two points away from the playoffs, though. It's a crazy league table, isn't it? I've just got it in front of me now, yeah. So, Crawley 15th, um, a win on Saturday would have put them third or fourth. So, I mean, it, it's really easy to look at a table and say, oh, look, we're in the bottom half, we're in the top half. Even at this stage of the season, was it eight, nine games in? It, it's still not irrelevant, but you, you, I wouldn't read much into it whatsoever. So that is the two matches we've had since the last podcast. Now, Jonathan, let's have a look at the next two coming up. Yeah, so up next for Crawley is Yeovil at home coming up this Saturday, 29th of September. Crazy that we're at the end of September already, kind of like awesome coming in already. Where oh, did already the summer, our second manager. Where and... did the summer go? <laughs> so where are they from? Well, it's kind of southwest of England. If you drew a line from Weymouth on the coast and it's a went, long, it's a long old way. And, and went in, that's sort of where they roughly lie, but obviously they'll, they'll be at the Broadfield Stadium. Ten meetings in the Football League between Crawley and Yeovil. Four wins, one draw, five losses. So it's kind of a, a mixed bag of win and losses in that, if you can put anything from it. Five straight losses between 2014 and 2016, if you include the FA Cup match for Crawley, that is. So not a good run mm-hmm. of form. However, they have turned it around with Crawley winning their past three matches against Yeovil. So a bit of positive um, spin on that for coming in to the match on Saturday. Most recently, of course, on New Year's Day this year, Crawley won 2-1 away at Yeovil. And that was a Mark Randall. And believe it or not, who was the other goal scorer? I don't know. Your favourite man, Thomas Verheit. Was it? My favourite man. Yeah, my favourite Dutch striker of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he grabbed a goal there, a, a rare goal um, to, to bring Crawley the win. And Yeovil's straight run of five clean sheets in the league came to an end last match against Swindon. Five? In a row? Yeah, fine. And that came to an end against Swindon, who beat them a convincing 3-0. And from all of the sort of research and, and reading I've done on that, it looked like Swindon were completely deserved winners. So credit to them. Possibly, uh, I don't well, who knows whether it's a change of tide of form for Yeovil or not. But they'll obviously be coming off a loss. Crawley are coming off a loss. I was looking at the league table as well. They've, they've played a game less than everybody else. Is that right? I've got them as played eight, one, four, drawn two, lost two. Yeah. Is that right, yeah? So, if, I mean, if they, if they win their game in hand, which is not necessarily us, um, they would actually be in fourth place. They're currently 
on 14 points, one point ahead of us, but five places. Again, it's almost like a, a dead centre of the table clash, isn't it? Not too much to read into the, the current form book anyway. But five clean sheets in a row, that is that's significant, I think, isn't it? Yes. So the Tuesday after this, Ewan, we go to who? Um, oh, what are they called in their manager? Oh, Notts County. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, do you that'll want to be d- fun, won't it? Take us through very briefly, I guess, because it is quite a long way away. Well, current, yeah, North County is a long old way to go on a Tuesday night. So good luck to anybody that goes, and f- absolute fair play to you. Um, I mean, we, we know all about North County, don't they? We, they've drawn their last two games. They got picked up their first couple of points under Harry Kewell. So he, he's he's done better than the previous manager, but still, is it played nine, lost seven, drawn two? It is not good. For a, for a club the size of Notts County, um, regardless of who's in charge, let's stop talking about that. It, it's not great for that club, is it? No. Now, Ewan, Sergio says... Now, yeah, let's go back a podcast, because he's done all right. Sergio predicted in our interview that Morecambe, at home, we'd win that game 2-0. We won it 2-0. He's got his first correct score of the season. <laughs> And away at Forest Green Rovers, he went for a one-all draw. Of course, we lost one else. So he's only one goal out over two games, so not too bad. Now, I only text Sergio about an hour before recording this podcast, and he's not got back to me yet. So instead of Sergio says, this week, let's introduce Ryan Richmond for Ryan Says. Hello. Hey. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. Now, we're going to have a proper interview with you later, but I know you're on your phone there doing your, doing your Crawley Town <laughs> research. I can see it. I can see you doing your research. So we've got Yeovil coming up at home. They're a point above us, five places above in the table. Chioffi coming off the back of a loss. Uh, Yeovil coming off the back of a loss as well. I just see that one going. Um, I mean, I think historically for me, I think what, uh, the Yeovil games are generally quite um, high scoring. I know recently had five clean sheets in a row, but I just think historically it's been a high scoring game for both teams. So I'd like to say a Crawley win on that one. Uh, Good. I'd probably go with... A 2-1 or 3-2. I think it's going to be one goal in it, but it'll be a high-scoring game. Perfect. And then, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting game, not just because of the club we're playing, but because of the history, the queue, et cetera, et cetera. Will that bring out more passion from Crawley? Will that bring out more passion from, not, from Notts County? It's going to be interesting on the touchline. Who knows? Predictions away versus Notts County on a Tuesday night under the floodlights. I can see a Crawley win there. I'd, really? like, I'd, I'd very much like to hope it would be as well. Um, I think we'd all hope for a win, yeah. Narrow yeah. or significant? Significant. I yeah? Think, yeah, I think Crawley are wow. a new informed side. Um, Notts County, or, they have, they've got potential, they've got the players. No, it's not mistake, not beat around the bush with that. But unfortunately this season they've not produced. Um, and I think that the Crawley players do probably want to prove a point as well. Um, although, yeah. obviously, Harry Kuehl has gone to Notts County. The players at Notts County might not have the same passion to get one over on Crawley that it would work on the other That's way around. That's a really, really good the, point. The Crawley players have got... It's a bit personal to them because it was the, he was their manager. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, I can see them being a little bit more fired up maybe. And uh, and yeah, I can, I, can, I can see probably a 2-0 win. Perfect. So 3-2 against Chauville, 2-0 and against Knox County. That is Ryan Says. Not as catchy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, so let's have a look at Broadfield Buzz. What's happening around the club, not necessarily on the pitch? Now, we've already mentioned this very briefly in passing, but Bonds and Garlic extends his stay from one month to one year. That is cracking news. That is cracking news. Good good work from Crawley on that. Great work from Crawley. And to be fair, their, their signings throughout the summer, they, they are generally very good, and that is a really good one as well. Um, away game versus Forest Green Rovers... I know we've discussed the game, but I was so impressed, not only with the, the minutes applause for Gilly being in the 59th minute, of course, we mentioned that in podcast three, but Forest Green Rovers actively promoted that minutes applause on their Twitter account, on the website as well, um, and their fans joined in too. That is absolute football league quality, isn't it, Jonathan? That is so impressive. I love that. Absolutely loved it. Something cool happening. It's on the pitch, so it's not necessarily brought up, but it is on the pitch. But the Brighton women's Premier League team played at the Broadfield tonight um, on live on BT Sport. That's really cool for the club, isn't it? I think that's yeah, great. It's, good it's exposure. Nice, let's be honest, it's really nice to have the women playing there. Um, great exposure for the club and the stadium as well. Whoever the stadium naming rights gets eventually, well, and if that gets sorted out this season, hopefully it will be, um, that's a real coup for them. I, I can't remember, when was the last time the Broadfield had a live game? Is it, do you think, was it Stoke, fifth round of the FA Cup, 11-12? Uh, was it that long ago? Uh, was, there anything, was there anything Ryan, after that? Uh, Ryan, Ryan, go on. Ryan. Yeah, go on. You um, seem to know. It was the Bristol Rovers game. Oh, he's done us. He's done us. Was it? Yeah, they got and it got called off. I think if I'm not mistaken. So it wasn't actually Walter, on the telly Walter, then, was it? Walter, yeah, during the game, Walter Pitch got called off. I kind of Re- remember that. Left to replay on the Tuesday night. <laughs> Do you know what? I was commercial manager at that point, and I remember that does ring a bell. I completely forgot. Hey, David James, go it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Fair play. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) And um, one very last little piece just to throw in. Um, Is it a congratulations? You can decide. Harry Kewell inducted into the Sports Australia Hall of Fame this week. I think for his on-the-pitch stuff rather than off-the-pitch. But, um, yeah, I just thought I'd point that out. So here we go, this is our interview for episode four. We've already heard from him already, but official welcome now for Ryan Richfine. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. No, thank you for having me on. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure to see this work. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Now, um, obviously, we spoke to Sergio last time round, and your story at Crawley, it, it's like the flip side, isn't it? Craw- uh, Sergio signed to become to be a sort of club legend, and yourself, it, it, didn't, it didn't go that way for you. No, it was, it, it was, it was, it was a tough time, uh, I think, for the club, as well as for me as a player, I think. The club wasn't settled at the time, so unfortunately a lot of things went up in the end. Like you say, Sergio, what Sergio's done for the club was fantastic over so many years. And uh, if I could have emulated that, I'd have been ecstatic, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. Now, you came through the youth team, didn't you, under Mark Beard and um, Steve Martin, and Steve Martin yeah. as well. So you had a, how many years did you play in the youth team for? Uh, I was there for two years, done, done my full scholarship there, um, and obviously I uh, signed my pro contracts before the end of the season, yeah, I think April 2014. Yeah, I think now, t- tell us about that because that was with John Gregory. Yeah, and we've seen the photos. You're there, both of you and I, I Bradley Isaacs as well, in your yeah. suits and your family's there. What is that like? That what is that like on the day for you signing your first pro contract? Because they made it pretty special for you that day. I think didn't they, they? They massively. I think it was hard. It was a very hard time though because I think before I was officially signed my contract. We actually had a meeting in February um, with all the parents and all the players of the youth team and we were all told by the chief executive at the time that the youth team was going to be shut down at the end of the season. So although it didn't directly affect me because my, my scholarship years would be up anyway, it was still a bit of a cloud surrounding the place at the time. 
And straight after that meeting there, me and Brad both called in separately to the boardroom to speak to the chief executive. And we said, you see the two players we'd like to keep on for next year. Can I, uh, one silly question on the side. In all the nice photos, the professional photos of you signing your contract with your family, etc., there's a photo of John Gregory, Gregory handing you a Kit Kat. What was that all about? It was a Kit Kat in his office, and I, I quite like Kit Kats. And um, I said to him, so what's going to be my sign-on bonus then? <laughs> and he offered it to me. <laughs> and there's, there is a full professional photo of yeah, him yeah, handing you yeah, this Kit yeah. Kat. He took it straight back after that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, there you are. You're prof- officially a professional footballer. Um, we know you didn't make too many appearances, and you played a couple of cup games. So, I mean, how long does that high last for until you realise this, this might not be happening the way I want it to happen? Um, for me, it's probably straight away. I'm, I was quite, I'm quite an ambitious person. Um, I'm someone who, who, who wants to be involved quite a lot. Um, I always did know it was going to be hard for me to get into the first team straight away without having any senior men's games under my belt. So I, I was aware of that. Um, but I think at the time, we had quite a lot of squad changes. I think that season, we used 56 or 57 players, I think, over the course of the, that uh, year. It's just ridiculous, it, it, was, it? It, was, it was unbelievable, but we always seemed to have not enough to fill the bench. And so the issue with me was when I was asked to go on loan was that I was told that we can't let you go because we need you on the bench. And so I said, oh, so when will I get my chance then? Because I'm likely going to play because you haven't got any experience. So it's a bit like a chicken and egg scenario where something had to give at some point, but unfortunately, you know, the club comes first. In, that, in, the, in this scenario, it did. And if I was needed to be called upon, which is highly unlikely, I had to be there for the club. The best thing for me was my debut was the JBT game against Cambridge. Because um, he's a fairly strong Cambridge side. Yeah. Um, and I come on that left back and obviously I'm a right footed centre midfielder. So wasn't put out too much by it because I have played that position before. But Was that thrown at you? You're going, off, you're going on the left back? Yes. Yes. I, I, initially, I was on the coming on as a centre midfielder. I was looking at all the set plays for centre midfield. And then I get told, actually, we're going to take Ryan Dixon off and you're going to go on left back for us. Okay, Gaffer, yeah. The last thing he said to me was, um, as I was on the sideline he goes just go out there and enjoy it and I'm sitting there thinking to myself we've just spent 10 minutes going through all the tactics there's so much going through my head and my adrenaline was pumping but the biggest compliment I got was after the game walking into the changing room and obviously because it's quite a new squad all the boys said to me I think Isaac McLeod led it I think he said to me is that your debut? And I went yeah he went he's really calm and clicked I didn't think he was I thought you might have played one or two games before that and of course I've only got 20 odd minutes in that game but it was a, it was a nice feeling to have someone say that they didn't think you look out of place sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was really chuffed with that. And it's, again, it's, it's a night that will stay with me for the rest of my life. Perfect. Brilliant. And am I right in thinking that just like any other young player, you had sort of an ambition and dream to make it big, make it to the Premier League? You... Yeah, 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 by all means. I mean, I'm 22 now, so I've still got that dream. Um, unfortunately, I've had to go a slightly different route rather than going to non-league and climb through the Football League ladder. But at the time, yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to, to use Crawley as a platform, really. I wanted to get two, three, four good years under my belt there, hopefully get a promotion, mm-hmm. and look to build my career from that. In the in league, you'll generally train twice a week in the evenings with your teammates, but I'll be training myself personally with, by myself or with a coach to another two nights a week or two afternoons working around my work sort of thing. Now, you, I mean, it comes across straight away, you're clearly still ambitious. And I'm just going to read you a quote from the day you signed your professional contract, OK? It, you, you, you said, um, I've got a, quite a good engine on me, and I look at myself as a box-to-box midfielder, similar to Steven Gerrard, <laughs> who, who I'm going to look to emulate. Yes. Do you still feel like that? Um, <laughs> after Stevie G? To be fair, 
if you if I could be half the player Steven Gerrard was, then you know what? I'd get into virtually anything <laughs> I wanted to. Um, I'd like, I'd, I'd absolutely love to emulate what he can do. Um, was I being ambitious when I said that? Possibly, but why not, why, not, why not strive for it? Why not strive for that? Why can't I try and push myself to be the best I can be? Now, obviously, you're being, as you just said, very ambitious on the pitch. Now, you're also being quite ambitious off the pitch with different pieces of, uh, I guess, education that you're doing. Yeah. Do you just want to tell us a little bit about what sort of stuff you've been getting up to? Yeah, um, well, about two years ago, I sat down and I decided that, you know what, I wanted to try and get uh, an educational background. Um, for me, when I was younger, I was always told football's a short career, so make sure you have a backup. And that um, actually fits in quite nicely, I think, with your Twitter bio. Uh, here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's literally, it's, you're not on this earth for a long time, so... Try and make the best of whatever you got and however long you're going to be here. And as I said, that I've come from an educational background myself. Um, so working with the PFA, we, I got offered the opportunity to go and do a professional sports uh, writing and broadcasting course. The PFA are really good in this sense. that They want the players to make sure they have something to fall back on. And, and, and they offer in bursaries, they offer anything they can to try and help you. Throughout your career at Crawley, did you feel, I know you were on the bench a lot, did you feel like a, a full member of the squad or did you feel like a youth player that was playing a bit part? Uh, this, this is going to be very funny because um, I, I'm quite a, uh, I'm a player who likes to be involved in things and interact, so I was, quite, I was always in a lot of banter, whereas normally you'd have a younger player in a first-team squad, they maybe would keep their mouth shut, they wouldn't say too much. I was the opposite. I was, me and Brian Jensen were having banter a lot and I might have said a few things that he could have took the wrong way but again, he knew I was only banter. He could have battered you as well. He was <laughs> we, a big guy. You, you know what? At one, point he, <laughs> at one point he put me on his shoulder, he picked me up and I, and I thought then, okay, I went a bit too far. If the lads were going for a meal or something like that, they'd invite you out to it as well. They, they, they wanted your input and I'd like to say a massive thank you because at the time, uh, Dean's, when Dean Saunders come in and... He was, he was brilliant for me. I remember at one point I knocked on his door to ask him about the next run of games and if he saw where he saw me come playing and that sort of thing. And he sat me down in his office and we had a chat about me. We spoke about the team and he asked my opinion. But it wasn't like he was asking for the sake of asking. We had a good 45-minute conversation where he's actually asking me as if, as if I was a senior player in the team and he included you. He actually cared what I thought. Now, um, last game football career-wise... You moved to Leatherhead at the start of this season, but I did see a tweet you put out a couple of weeks ago um, regards leaving the club early. Can we ask, what happened? Yeah. What happened there? I was on a non-contract. And on a non-contract, it means you can be moved on quite easily. Unfortunately, at the time, the club um, needed to make additional signings in a, in a defensive area in terms of a goalkeeper, a centre-half and a full-back. And being a centre midfielder, um, there was already three or four of us in there. And I was the only midfielder on a non-contract. Um, so when it did come to the budget needing to be manipulated so they could sign other players, anyone on a non-contract, it's easy to move on. Currently out of a club, without a club at the minute. I have been training the last week sorry, with a team in the Conference South. So at the minute, that's going quite so that's well. That's a step up then. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that it's would be... It's an incredible journey, isn't it? it? it, it it's, it's mental. I mean, some, I mean, you can be playing... You can drop out from the Football League and play for one team... And you get released by a team, all of, a, all of a sudden, a team in division higher thinks, you know what, he's not a bad player. Wonderful. Now, that's the end of our questions. Jonathan, we put a tweet out earlier asking for fans' questions. You've got a few, haven't we? Yes. So, um, Sam Cook has literally, in the last 
couple of minutes, um, tweeted in saying, and this is something that I wanted to know as well, with the under-23s being relaunched for Crawley this season too, how was life for you in the Crawley Town Youth Academy? Um, Sam feels that the last couple of years of, of the academy, it feels like it wasn't really thought about, but when you and Jonte Smith were going through, he remembered it being quite professional. I think the thing that to remember here is there's a major difference is this is the current under-23 setup, um, and it's part-time. It's Monday, Friday. It's crossing this non-league football, essentially. The setup I come through at was, an, was a proper academy sort of thing. We trained every day of the week. We trained the same time as the first team. So that, that, that two major differences. In terms of the youth team, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, because you, you virtually shadowed the first team. You would train the same way they would train. You would do everything that they would do and more. Uh, in terms of your fitness, in terms of your, your, your ball work. Um, the thing I found very humbling was, and something I think we, we miss from football at the minute, is the fact that not a lot of players in the academies do jobs anymore. Um, you know, if you go to some of the bigger Premier League teams, they have staff members who will do jobs for the players in terms of cleaning boots and balls. At Crawley, we didn't have that. <laughs> at Crawley, I remember I was cleaning Joe Walsh's boots. So we used to clean boots, pump the balls up, clean the balls. This is for the first team. We used to have a wash your own kit, training kit, and match day kit, um, clean the minibus, clean the changing rooms, the physio rooms, the offices. We had to clean the stands at one point, and even helping on snow days with, with the sheets. Mm. It's humbling, because it makes you realise in the academy, you're not a professional player yet. And I think you'll see in, in football a lot. I mean, I know Lewis Young really well. Lewis is probably one of the best professionals you'll ever meet. Lewis will fold his kit up as well. He turns around the right way, folds it up. Everything's always neat and tidy. And you can see someone who's, been, who's come through Watford the right way. He was taught how to do things properly. And do, did the club work with you educationally off the pitch as well, as you are such a young player at the time too? Yes, because uh, it is a scholarship. It's, it's your learning years, basically. It's apprenticeship. Um, we would have to go to college on a Wednesday and a, I think it was a Friday afternoon study for an MVQ BTEC in sports. We also had to do our coaching badges, our level one and level two in the youth team as well. So the club supported us the best way they could. But it was also... The um, League Football Education, or the LFE as we call it, they're the ones who are in charge of education. Um, so really the setup was fantastic. And it's, it's just a shame that the club had to, you know, for financial reasons, had to close the academy down. Now a second comment in from Stephen North. If you had your time at Crawley over again, what part of your game in particular would you work harder at? <sighs> Ooh. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that's harsh, I reckon, Steve. That has made me think. <laughs> you weren't good enough, what should you have tried harder on? Basically, yeah. Um, you seem like quite a hard worker, it comes across anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, it probably be my self-confidence. I, I was always, and I always have been, someone who's a bit nervous. I think my first year in the, in the academy, I hardly played. And when I did play, I wasn't that good. I admit I wasn't that good. Whereas my second year, I went away over the summer and I worked on myself mentally. I was like, you know what? You are good enough. And they gave you a two-year contract. You know, that's going to count for something. And I come back to the second year and I played every minute at that time there. And when I went to the first team, maybe I still had that little bit of doubt, am I good enough in my mind? Um, it's not coming across as cocky. You want to be cocky, but you want to have that self-belief. And I think maybe I missed that. And if I had that self-belief, maybe that would have enhanced my game even more. So it'd probably be believing in myself more, really. Now, final question. This does sound like a bit of a sly dig. Um, a young fan by the name of Dean Cox has uh, sent in a question for you, Ryan. Great, um, great. 
What are your future plans now that you're not playing for any club at the minute? Wow, not playing for any club. <laughs> that is harsh, he, he has man. really thrown me under the bus. So there, there's still clearly some ex players that really support you, and, and then yeah. there's Dean Cox. Yeah, I had lunch there as well. That's the worst thing about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, I think at the minute it's, it's, it's all about me trying to secure a team. Um, so I'm currently on trial with a, a Conference South team. So touch wood, things go with that. Um, I want to try and settle myself down for the season, have a, have a good season, get 25, 30 games under my belt. And and we just push on from there. I mean, at the same time, I've passed my degree now, so my education side's put to one side. I would like to start my level three coaching badge or B license in the new year. But um, I think the next couple of years, I'm 22 now. I want to spend the next two, three years fully focused on my football. I mean, Dean Cox is only about five foot three. He's done all right, hasn't he? He's done fantastic. And you know, you, you know what? You know what? When I, I watch... try to get to you, get on your side here. Thank you, no, thank you. Isn't it? Five foot three's being generous. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> There's a reason why I like staying next to him. <laughs> um, he's had a fantastic career. Fantastic career. Um, and well, be it as he is a mate, without wanting to try and you know big him up what he has achieved is actually quite inspiring for someone who else is quite small. It makes you think, you know what, everyone, who's, everyone in the past who has said, oh, you're too small, you're too small to be a footballer, you're too small to be a midfielder. Seeing him, and obviously you got the likes of one matter, but obviously matters on a whole different scale. Mm-hmm. But seeing someone like Dean Cox who's made it, and made a very, very good career, it gives you a bit of inspiration, a bit, a bit of hope. You know what, there is the right manager out there, as he found with Russell Slade at Leighton Orbit, there is the right manager out there for you. Uh, Ryan, that's the end of our questions. You, you've been an absolute pleasure to speak to and I think the fans are going to find this so so interesting and uh, we can't wish you more the best like I was at the club at the same time you were as a commercial yeah. manager and you were the one, one of the nicest guys in the change room I know back then and you're still an absolute top bloke um, I can't wish you more than enough luck for the future thank you no, I really appreciate it it's been yeah. an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for taking the time to come all the way down here to, to record <laughs> no, the podcast honestly absolute well. pleasure I've, re- I've really enjoyed it thank you boys but uh, that's not the end of the show and Ryan's sticking with us throughout um, but that is the end of the interview and we're now going to move on to what we're we moving on to Jonathan I think, it's, I think it's near the end extra time now isn't it Ewan is it oh no, no we've got a game is that, are you ready oh. So here we are. It's everybody's favourite Crawley Town quiz. It's Are You Ready? And Jonathan, I'm going to give you a chance this week because in the first quiz you got three out of five. Last episode you got one out of five. I'm going to let Ryan play along with you to help you answer the questions. Yeah, when right? you initially said this, I thought you meant Ryan playing against me. And no, I was no, like, no, no, with you. I'm with you. Humiliating. It's all questions about me. So, <laughs> so I can't get No, wrong. no. <laughs> so this is, as ever, it is five Crawley-related questions. Uh, we'll go through them as quickly as possible. You can start answering the first question when I've finished, answer, uh, finished asking the question, okay? And... No dead air. Just, I'm going to remind you here, as we're recording, remember to put a TikTok behind one of Mark's rings, so it's a, sounds oh, a bit I cool. Oh, I forgot last You did forget yeah. last time. Yeah, it was a lot of dead air, but I'm reminding you now. So here we go. Boys, are you ready? Yes. Yes, we are. Let's <laughs> find out. Question one. Ryan Richfond made his professional debut for Crawley this month in 2014, replacing who in the 71st minute of the Reds Football League trophy game with Cambridge United? Matt Harold. In which year was Crawley founded? 1987. In 2012 fan survey, who did Crawley Town supporters pick as their biggest rival club? Uh, AFC Wimbledon. What nationality is Panuche Kamara? Come on, I did my research. <laughs> in June this year, oh. former Reds boss Mark Yates was named manager of which League Sucks. Two club? June this year, Mark Yates, manager of which League Two club? 
Is that Solihull? Tick tock, tick tock. He was at Solihull, you're right. He, he left. He got some good stats. Yeah. I think he was sacked, to be fair. Oh, okay. He's not doing well with the league now, aren't they? That's fine. Um, Is that a non answer? Yeah. Say something. No, no clue. Just name a League Two club. Are you feeling Cheltenham? I think, no, it used to be Cheltenham. I'm going to Cheltenham back there. Back to Cheltenham. Okay. Right, end of the quiz. Right. So, Ryan Richfond, 21st minute, replaced who? Matt Harold. Correct, yeah. Matt Harold. <laughs> Which year was Crawley founded? 1896. It was 1896. You are right. The fan survey did say AFC Wimbledon. What nat- nationality is Panuche Kamara? It's Guinea Bassow. Oh, <laughs> I remember I did. How did you not know that one? How have you not guessed that one? How did you? you you're a big fan of Panuche Kamara. With all the players. And in June this year, former Red Wasp Mark Yates was named manager of Witchley 2 Club. Currently in the league, played nine, drawn two, lost seven. They're below Notts County. It's Macclesfield. Uh. Guys, you're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how many, how many was that out of? Uh, you got uh, one, two, three out of five. That's not so too you're bad. Back up to sort of your, 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 you're that. back up to your previous level, yeah. Got the first three questions right, last two wrong. Yeah, we'll yeah. take that. Well, I'm right. We'll, um, tired. Yeah. we'll try again in episode five. And here we are. This is our final. So again, this is added time. So just a little bit to look forward to over the next couple of weeks or so before the next podcast. Um, I've got a few, Jonathan. First of all, some really nice news. The club are holding their, for the third year running, the Macmillan Cancer Coffee Morning. And that is going to be on the 28th of September. That is, they're held all over the country, these, but the club holds one every year. And this is when you make cakes, bring them down, buy them. Money goes to um, um, Macmillan Cancer Care, which is brilliant, of course. Um, Sussex County FA they tweeted this week um, any female football coaches in Sussex our next session is a trip to the Crawley Cogs um, Carol Bates Crawley Cogs of course on the Thursday the 27th of September so be aware if you're a female football coach in the Sussex area um, get onto their website as soon as you can Notts County tickets the next away game they are now on sale from the club it's 20 quid for an adult then it goes down to 14 7 and under 7 to free I think prices go up by about 2 quid on the day if you go into that game of course it is a Tuesday night and as ever GNH coaches putting a coach on uh, just looked on their website today. 25 booked on so far. Departing the stadium at 2.30 for the 7.45 kickoff. They're going to stop at Watford Gap Services for a pee break, I imagine. And then again at Kings Cross. But 2.30 leaving the stadium. Get onto their website for more details on how to book onto that. Um, and also, the most important thing about added time... We held a tweet competition this week, Jonathan, for retweets. Yes, I forgot about this. I hadn't. I haven't right, forgotten about it. You've been brought back in again because you're going to be choosing so what the winner, do, aren't you? The best way to pick it: if you can bring up all the retweets that were done on the competition, and then all we'll do, we'll f- scroll through them, scroll through them, and we'll get um, Ryan to stop somewhere, and that'll be the winner. So, Ryan, you've got the phone in your hand. You're going to scroll through the retweets. Now, Jonathan, you entered. If you land on Jonathan, Jonathan is not winning. I think he just retweeted for promotional purposes. That's fine. But whenever you feel comfortable, stop and read out the Twitter handle. That is our winner of the Chioffi signed programme in gold pen from his first ever Crawley Town game. And the finger's down. Who is it? Mick O'Donnell. Mick O'Donnell. You've yes, won a, Mick O'Donnell. Mick O'Donnell. You've won a signed Crawley Town programme in gold pen by Gabrielle Choffey. Congratulations. Our first ever competition winner. And that is also the end of podcast episode four, Jonathan. Ryan, thank you very much no, again you, for boys. joining us. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, and so we're going to be, I guess, recording episode five, believe it or not. <gasps> a little milestone for us. It's like an official podcast now, isn't it? <laughs> episode five in 
a couple of weeks time and I think it's going to be more of a you know fortnightly thing it was great to hear from people sending us where they were listening from I think we had listeners as far as America which is pretty cool fantastic to hear really cool to hear really, really cool man <laughs> oh god um, <laughs> you started northern you finished American that's awful so yes thank you from you and myself and Ryan and if you want to be a red on the road get in touch we love to hear from the fans get their opinions thanks for, not yeah, just thanks one to Ben thanks to yes. Ben as well for that thanks for having me guys and thank you for listening yeah thank you very much we'll speak to you very very soon bye bye bye